Hey guys, we are coming at you again with another Scaring a Sharing. Yes, it's the place where we share our scares with each other and you. We're back, finally, We're guys. back. Oh my God, I know you all missed us so much. All five of you. Uh... Yeah, all five of you little <laughs> maniacs that are listening, you, that you missed us so much, but... Uh, your big boy, Sasquatch Slim, is back. <laughs> your big boy. You're the skinny one. <laughs> and your tight-ass hunk of a man, the flaming scream queen, Brandy Joe, is here, too. What a man, what a man, what a man. <laughs> what a mighty man. We're here. We are, and I'm queer, so get fucking used to it. Uh, and, we're, <laughs> and we're here to fuck shit up, so let's <laughs> let's get to it. So, Jeremy, we haven't seen each other for a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and um, it's so good to see your face. I have to say, I was just home in Wyoming for 10 days, and it was delightful. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird, though, because everywhere I went, and I, I'm gonna just say it now. I didn't get anything for you, but everywhere I went, there were like that that image of Bigfoot like walking uh-huh. was everywhere, and I'm like, this is Wyoming. Yeah, so I don't know if like he has had a resurgence, a resurge, whatever in Wyoming, but that was all over the place in all like the gift shops I went. Oh, I believe it because uh, when Sarah and I went up to uh, Mackinac City and Mackinac Island into the up every freaking gift shop in northern michigan has bigfoot stuff now like so it is weird. just yeah bigfoot is just a big deal i'm all about it because i love me some bigfoot so that's you great i really will buy do. bigfoot merch if i can so <laughs> bring it on so one of the most fun things i did while i was there was we went camping for four days i was totally off the grid which was an amazing feeling it's been a long time since i've been off the grid Mm -hmm. and that was awesome and there were a bunch of like probably like 11 kids in our little camping area and one night we finally had a campfire on like my third night there and we told scary stories yeah i sort of took the degree of what i could tell based off of one of the moms and she was just going into stories talking about cats eating faces and kids having their parents killed so i was like oh okay well i can tell whatever but then i realized like i didn't prepare like i Uh went i didn't like do some research before just like if someone's like come to the the table with five really good jokes tonight you're gonna go online and like look up what are the best jokes (laughs) yeah and i didn't i didn't do this for my scary stories so i had like a handful which i had the the humans can lick hands too you know that story no Okay, um, I'll come back to it. Um, I told like the 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 variation on the man with the the hook in the hand and the kids at Lovers Lane. Yeah, that was my week. dad's. That was my dad's favorite. Such a good one. And then there's also the variation where like there's the dripping on the roof and it's like the guy with his head cut off. Yeah. Yep. They're yep. kind of like one and the same. Mm-hmm. And then the high beam story with the guy in the back seat. Yep. Uh oh, and aren't you glad you didn't turn on the lights? Mm-hmm which is like uh, when they tell you in college, I don't understand like what the, the like sort of warning is there, I guess, lock your door maybe. Sure. They, they tell that. I, that's how I first heard it was in college, like my freshman year. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the extent of what I knew, but let me tell you that, that, 
humans can lick hands too story. Although it's already I've given away the punchline. <laughs> oh, oh, I think I know what one this is. And I just looked it up before we started the episode because I was curious of its origins and I, it goes way, way back. But like the version I heard was a little different. There was like a girl whose parents are always gone. So they get her this watchdog. Yeah. Who will lick her hands at different times. Yes, yes, where, yes, like, yes. Okay. If there's someone at the door, if there's someone in the house, if there's someone walking up the stairs. And so that's the version I heard was that the dog licks hands different times in order to like warn her yeah. and then it licks her an additional time that there isn't a war like that doesn't mean anything so she looks down and there's a guy there and he's like human can lick humans can lick hands too yeah but when i looked it up online that's not the version it's like just this girl whose dog like licks her hand for comfort and she's scared one night and then like the next morning she wakes up and she keeps hearing a dripping it's very much that same story of the the kids at lovers lane yeah and it's, and the, she dog goes, and it's the dog yeah 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 it's such a creepy story oh it is that's one too that as you're saying reminding me of it it has been told to me over the years by people that are like, this actually happened to someone I know. And I'm like, you're full of shit. No, no, it didn't. So what are your, uh, some of your like go-tos or that you remember hearing around the campfire a lot? Well, like I kid? said, I remember like all the time, uh, my dad would always tell the hook, the man with a hook for a hand. And as a kid, I totally believed it was like an actual thing that happened somewhere that he heard about because he told it so compellingly every time. With the ending being that the kids get home, the boy goes to open yep. the girl's door. Opens and the, the door and there. the hook is attached. Yeah, okay. yep, that's it. And variations of that one. I heard plenty of, not really specific stories, but plenty of uh, like Bigfoot lore. <laughs> Uh, cause I had one, my one uncle growing up is part of why I'm into it. He got me into the whole Sasquatch legend and he would tell, uh, you know, the famous sighting stories, uh, or experiences. Like there's one from early in like the Bigfoot lore where he was there. Uh, I want to say it was in the thirties or forties. It's like in the beginning of the 20th century, the first half of the 20th century and early in this idea of like Bigfoot is a thing and it's on the news and people are talking about it. There is this prospector that claimed he got like abducted by Bigfoots and like oh. held by a family of them in the woods for like a few days before he could escape. Did they probe him? No, no probing, but they did eat all of his coffee and his tobacco, oh. he claimed. Oh. So, okay. yep, and got sick and that's how he escaped. Oh, wow. um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a freaky story to get told to you like earnestly where you're like, there could be something out in the woods. <laughs> and a lot of stuff like that. And what was the... Not really a scary story, but uh, I remember my dad and my uncles when I was a kid and like some of my cousins and whatever uh, out in the woods, they they tried to trick us into going snipe hunting, uh, if you've ever heard of that. I have I, not. It, it might be a Michigan. It might be a regional thing. I'm not sure. But the snipe is a little bird that like lives in the woods and only comes out at night. Uh, and the only way that you can confuse them by like banging sticks and making noises and you're supposed to try and catch it in a bag. Uh, and it gets presented to you as if it's some sort of like rite of passage, like going out snipe hunting, trying to catch these birds in the woods at night. And it's all put on. There is no such thing as snipes. Uh, okay. It's just a thing to get the kids running around being idiots, screaming in the woods and scaring themselves, like chasing after animals that aren't actually there. And all the adults hang back and laugh at us. See, and I remember hearing that, like, because since I'm from Wyoming, I've heard the term cow tipping quite a bit. Like, if you're yeah. from a rural area, you definitely have. But then I've also heard, like, that you that that doesn't actually exist. Like, that cows don't tip over or some bullshit. But, like, yep. 
Is that true? Do you I know? Have, I, I've I've heard that that is also just a, like to make somebody look like an idiot. You send them out there to do it, and you know they're gonna get kicked by a cow. Is what's gonna happen? So. Yeah, and also poor cows. Yeah, they give you milk. Like, yeah, come on. Yeah. Yeah, they can lay down and get up. It's not like you knock them over. <laughs> the other interesting things that happen, um, so I have three nieces, and they're six, eight, and ten. And it's just, first of all, so weird that when I was ten, I was going to see Pet Cemetery in the movie theater. And uh-huh. then I look at my ten-year-old niece, and, like, she's so little. And she doesn't watch anything scary. She watches, like, this cat noir and ladybug girl bullshit on disney channel we try to watch it i'm just like i can't do this um (laughs) but oh my god if i would mention chucky they Mm -hmm. would all scream they're so scared of chucky (laughs) oh no and one of them dared me to do um bloody mary and i was like fine i'll go do it and she's like well how many times are you gonna say it and i'm like three or five i was like i can't remember because that's candy man i think is five yeah candy man's five and she's like nope that's not right i'm like oh really how many times is it? And she's like, well, I have a book. And she went and got a book. And you're supposed to say it according to her book 13 times. Whoa. I know. So I did it. And they all screamed and ran away. And they were so scared. Uh, did, did you did you even get to be like, oh, no, she's got me. Like, no. you know, and freak them out. No. Uh, they ran before that. Because that's where I would go with it. And then I was so scared that all like the parents like were gonna like get mad at me for telling too scary of a story or freaking them out too much and yeah, but it was fun. I, I just the next time I go home, I'm definitely doing some research to come back with like an arsenal of scary stories. Shouldn't you just like you could literally all the movies we've seen, you could <sighs> just say a movie plot. No, I know, and I was thinking of that. I was like like racking my brain to come up with what are some of the ones with like twists because I feel like that's a good story is one with like that twist at the end as opposed to just a, a long drawn out plot and you're just like in that children is the story of friday the 13th because <laughs> i bet none of them have seen any of no, and they would they would be like my uncle is so cool he told the story about jason Voorhees, and, and then they would never realize that you just told them a movie that actually exists <laughs> So we've been gone for a while and we have a ton of um, terror grams, which is so exciting. We have so much shit to catch up on. (laughs) So let's read through because there's some cool things in here with some questions and stuff, which is a lot of fun. So um, kick us off. Read us. Okay. All right. Uh, We got a uh, email from elite uh, friend of the podcast, Ethan. Uh, who is now, you know, I see regularly playing Dungeons and Dragons. He has joined my long running Dungeons and Dragons group. So, uh, Ethan, thanks for the email. And you guys too can be an elite friend. If you just email us as much as Ethan does. That's right. Scaring us, sharing at gmail.com. Super easy. And so the subject is long time. No see on here, at least. Uh, and Ethan says, Hey guys, per usual, you got me thinking again. And I had a question to ask and Ethan, what did I tell you about thinking? It's very dangerous. <laughs> Brandy Joe, you brought up razor blades on a water slide, which reminded me of a workaholics episode where Adam slides down a wooden water slide and gets huge splinters in his back. This Ooh. then reminded me of the horror themed episode. He says season three, episode 12 that features Robert Englund himself. Uh, It's super funny, but also very creepy. And yes, that is a fantastic episode of the show. This poses me to ask which one-off horror episodes stand out most to you guys. Now, I know Buffy and The Simpsons have some classics, but then other than those, which ones would you recommend? 
One last thing for Brandy Joe. I need to know your top three queens. I have to go with Jinx, Katya, and Trixie as a tie, and Crystal Method. Along with that, have you ever watched Dragula? It's a drag race, uh, but horror themed. Uh, anyways, thanks for all the scares. So, Ethan, you're assuming because I'm gay, I watch RuPaul? How rude. No, I'm just kidding. I totally watch RuPaul. I probably talked about it. Um, <laughs> but you know what? I have, there was a good, like, maybe eight, nine years that I didn't watch it. I watched the first couple seasons, and then I've just gotten back into it during quarantine. Um, so I don't have as extensive as uh, a collection of favorite queens, but... If I were to do my top three, I'd probably do Got Mick. She was recently um, on and was amazing. Did this really cool pinhead getup in one of the most, I think, the most recent like American one of the, I think, the first trans drag queen that they had on. And she was amazing. I also really love Bag of Chips from UK and Lawrence Cheney. I think I'm going to go those one, two, and three. Uh, and I have not watched Dragula, and I want to, and I should, because it does look like a lot of fun. And I'm going to give a, a, a little shout out to Sharon Needles as well, because she was definitely like, did a lot of weird, cool things that I really loved. So I'm going to have to go back and watch some seasons I missed and definitely catch up on Dragula. And that was perfect, because I have no idea what any of that meant <laughs> when I read that, because I never watched the show, so... Now, in regards to those horror episodes, do you have some? I he uh, when I read this, it, it really got me thinking because, of course, I'm like, well, the Simpsons Halloween episodes, like probably even like the first ten or so of those are all great. Uh, after a while, it gets really like they move on to spoofing stuff that's not even like really horror, like superhero movies and stuff. So it's like, nah, I like the ones that were strict, like strict, you know, very strictly spoofs of like the twilight zone or classic horror movies and stuff. Those are all great. Um, that workaholics episode he mentioned is a very funny episode of workaholics where they spend the night trapped in their office. Uh, and Robert England himself doesn't actually like have a speaking like role in it. They have a painting of who they think is the deceased owner of the company. And it's okay. Robert England's likeness on the painting. So uh, it's really funny. He was also in an episode of the Goldbergs as Freddy Krueger. Now that's awesome. We've just been watching like every day at lunch, Joe and I watch like a half hour show. We watched all of the middle and now we're almost done with the Goldbergs. And it was maybe a season or two ago, a couple seasons ago. So it was really cool to have Robert England on his Friday, but it he, I don't know if they didn't have the money to mm -hmm. do it quite right or if they didn't weren't able to get the same makeup people. It didn't look quite right. It was weird. Sure. But it was still cool. So yeah. that's that's an episode that I could think of. What else you got? One I can think of too that uh, I wanted to mention uh, at the end of June last month uh, was the Disney cartoon Gravity Falls. I've mentioned it before. Mm -hmm. uh, there is an episode because the show is sent over the, the show is set over the course of a summer vacation. So they couldn't do an actual Halloween episode. Uh, so the writers came up with a creative way of doing that, which is the town of Gravity Falls celebrates summer ween, uh, mm. which is a second Halloween in June. Love uh, it. At the end of June. And there's an episode, Summer Ween, uh, where the kids go trick-or-treating and they get menaced by a uh uh the the summer ween trickster who's a creepy <laughs> uh monster that chases after them. Uh and that's a really good, you know, one-off horror episode. So I have one that's 
it, it's horror in the way Requiem for a Dream is horror. Ooh, okay. Uh, and that's six feet under. There is one episode that if you watch a show, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's this episode where David picks up this like cute hitchhiker and the hitchhiker like holds him at gunpoint, makes him like smoke crack or crystal meth. I can't remember which. And it's so creepy because the episodes normally go back and forth between all of the central characters. And this one, like once he picks up this hitchhiker, you're kind of stuck with their story for the last like 30 or 45 minutes of the episode and it gets progressively worse like they they get high he ends up like pouring gasoline on him on david and like is gonna light him on fire it is such a horrifying episode like i, I mean if you had ever considered like oh it might be nice to pick up a cute hitchhiker you never ever yeah. would again it's like one no. of those like <laughs> lessons learned like uh, yeah no and it is it's the scariest episode of anything i've ever watched so oh, wow. that's what comes to mind when i when i think of that question yeah i'm trying to i'm racking my brain here i'm sure there's more um speaking of like the hbo type dramas too you just uh, made me think there's an episode of the sopranos uh, where a couple of the guys, it's like a, what do they call that? A bottle episode. It's a self-contained mm -hmm. thing where it has mm -hmm. nothing to do with like the rest of the show, uh, where there's an episode where a couple of the guys, they have to go get rid of a body. And so they drive them out to the Pine Barrens in New Jersey, which is, you know, uh, as we saw on Mother's Day, very remote woods in New Jersey. Um, but they allude to the legend. Now, nothing supernatural happens in the episode, but they allude to the story of the Jersey Devil which of course is okay. the urban legend from there that there's a monster that lives in those woods. So they freak each other out with that. They go to like get rid of the body and discover the guy wasn't actually dead and he got out of the trunk and escaped. So they go looking for him and get lost in the woods. But it has like a horror vibe to it. Like nothing crazy happens in the episode, but it's them lost in the woods trying to escape. And yeah, it, it's a kind of a haunting episode. So that one comes to mind. Another one while we're talking that's come to mind, Joe and I recently rewatched Felicity, which used to be one of my favorite shows. I love Carrie Russell. It remind I was on when I was in college back in, you know, the late 90s. I loved it. We rewatched it recently and it's not as good as I remembered it, you know, which mm -hmm. things usually are often like that. But there's this one standalone episode, a bottle episode, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. where it's all in black and white and it's essentially like two Twilight Zone episodes one where they're all like stuck in a box there's this one like her felicity's roommate megan has like this box you never know what's inside of it but she's always like did you look at my box don't look at my box and they all are like stuck as miniature people inside her box in one episode and then the other one carrie russell like goes to get or felicity goes to get like her heart replaced or her she's heartbroken and she goes and they like remove her heart or some bullshit. Mm -hmm. um I'm not a fan of those episodes where everything else in this series is like a part of, you know, the mythology or the storytelling of these people's lives. And then there's this one like random episode where it's black and white and really it's like it has to nothing to do with anything. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan of it. But if you've watched Felicity, you'll know what I'm talking about. And stylistically, it's cool because mm -hmm. it does have sort of a throwback feel to like the 50s and the Twilight Zone. But sure. Kind of annoying, too. And uh, and there is an episode of to tie it into our show. Are you afraid of the dark? The mm. uh, you know old Nickelodeon. I mean, the, it was a horror show, uh, but specifically there was an episode where the kids. It's about kids working at an old movie theater, 
uh, and they're screening Nosferatu. I've heard of it. And, but it's like, yeah, but it's like a cursed copy of the film or whatever. And the vampire comes out of the movie and is like stalking people around the movie theater. Uh, and that it, I think is a really cool uh, episode of that show to tie it into like some actual like classic horror thing that already exists. So mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, please, if you're out there listening and want to write in, tell us some of your, that's a great, Ethan always has such good questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so please write us, tell us some of your favorite, you know, one-off horror episodes or what have you. Um, that would be great. Sure. So uh, now I'm going to read one from Teacher Drew, who wrote in um, a, f- a few weeks ago now um, and just hit us right after we'd recorded. So his first message is, hey, guys, much appreciation for your latest episode. Your debate about the burbs got me curious. What horror movie do you love that everyone else seems to hate? I teach a film studies class and remind the students that it's okay to disagree about movies. I even share that I love M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening, an extremely unpopular opinion. <laughs> now, weighing in on the burbs, I have to say I'm team Brandy Joe on this one. Oh, oh wow. Somebody came to your rescue. Sorry, Jeremy, but humor and horror is very tenuous for me, and more often than not, I'm not a fan. In other news, being fairly new to your podcast, I'm working my way through your back catalog. After listening to episode 30, I watched Knife Plus Heart. I was pleasantly surprised. For me, the sign of a good foreign language film is when you are so drawn in that you forget it's not in English. Thank you, guys, and keep the episodes coming. Teacher Drew and Phoenix. Thanks, Teacher Drew, and thanks for going back and checking out some of our old episodes. Knife Plus Heart was such a cool little film, just so different than a lot of what we see, and also such like a like throwback to what we have seen. I just love that so much. Mm-hmm. And I agree 100% with him, because uh, I do this all the time when I'm so engrossed in a foreign language or, you know, a movie that's not in English. I suddenly realize I have not been reading the subtitles for like minutes because mm-hmm. uh, I've been so uh, drawn in. And Knife Plus Heart was one of those movies where I spent chunks of movie where I'm like, I don't know what they said now that I think about it. Like, I think I got the gist of it from the emotion and, you know, what's happening. But um, I was just so engrossed by a lot of it that I, I did can't even tell you what any bits of dialogue were from reading them. So. And in regards to your other question, I know there's a an early episode, I think, where we talk about some unpopular opinions we have mm-hmm. um, in regards to horror movies. So you may not have just gotten there quite yet, Teacher Drew. But and I, I think know... we went the other direction, though. We were we were talking about movies that people love that we hate. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. And I, yep. And I was still going that way in regards to what I was thinking because yeah. I was thinking like movies I don't like are like High Tension and yep. The Descent. And... The Descent. Yep. But oh, the other direction. Yeah. Cause like, what's a movie that people are like, this is crap, but you love it. Um, a lot of, for me, uh, what comes to mind immediately is pretty much tons of slasher sequels <laughs> where most people are like, these are terrible movies, but I'm like, I love, you know, the entire, like the first eight Friday, the 13th. Like I love that original run, even though like after two, they are not, you know, it's up, it's all over the place. Or Halloween. That's a big one I think of. A lot of the Halloween sequels are very hated uh, and I love them. So <laughs> yeah, again, I just keep thinking of sequels. Like uh, I rather liked Hellraiser 3, for example. And I know that, you know, virtually all the Hellraisers after like one, people are like, these are terrible. Um, but I like some of them. I like Nightmare on Elm Street 4 better than Nightmare on Elm Street 3. 
That's an unpopular opinion. It is. I because I recently rewatched both of that. Not, I mean, this was a while ago recently, but I was like, oh my god, I just thought four was the acting in part three was really bothering me. Like Heather Langenkamp, I love her in the original Nightmare on Elm Street, but I just thought her acting was so bad in part three. As much as it was cool to see Nancy again, I was like, oof, oofta. It's it's funny that you say that because I literally just watched four yesterday. Oh, you did? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's not one of my favorites. Oh, I think it's so good. I just think it's so slick. It's, and... it's not terrible, but it's not like it's in the middle of the pack for me. And I think Lisa Wilcox is so good in it. Like, I just find her as a, a very good final girl and just very engaging. I really like her a lot. Sure. All right. Well, read another one for us, Jeremy. All right. Well, actually, I just thought of uh, one, one, one thing to tie in with Teacher Drew's question, though. Yeah. Uh, so... Since we've been gone for a while, I've been watching movies like crazy lately. I've just found time to like watch a whole bunch of shit. Uh, and a discovery I made, I've never seen this movie. I knew of it. I've seen clips of it. Never got around to watching it until recently. And that was Wes Craven's Shocker. Oh, I've never seen Is it any good? Uh, it is not, but I loved it. <laughs> I, I, I freaking loved it. It was like a revelation to me where I'm like, this is a bad movie but it just tickled me the right way. It was a fun, bad movie. Like it does some batshit crazy stuff, but you know, I, I was just at the end of it. I was like, I love this in the way I love like Troll 2 or something like that. Like this was not, this was definitely a swing and a miss for Wes as far as like making a great film, but it's just so batshit nuts and hilarious to me that I couldn't stop laughing, like watching it. It was one of those. Okay. So there you go. Shocker. Uh, Shocker. I don't, I don't think it's really, I know it's got like a cult, but I don't think it's particularly loved by anybody. The Rotten Tomatoes is like 17% on it or whatever. Oh, so, man. But I was like, this was great. What are those people thinking? This was hilarious. I don't think it was supposed to be, but I thought it was awesome. Okay. So there you go. But I will move on to the next one. And so this comes from uh, actually my buddy from college, Kyle, uh, who I had uh, mentioned before on here. We were, you know, horror movie watching buddies back then. Um, cool. And Kyle uh, writes with the subject line, Sweeted Films. He says, hey guys, Brandy Joe, thank you for letting me know about Mr. Burns. It sounds very much up my alley and I hope I have the opportunity to see it someday. And that would be that Simpsons play, guys, mm -hmm. that Brandy Joe mentioned a little while back. Uh, and then he goes on to say, Jeremy, while Brandy Joe was talking about Mr. Burns, I suddenly remembered a movie we watched in college, Be Kind, Rewind, and the concept of sweeted films. I might be mistaken, but if I recall correctly, sweeted films are actually a thing. Uh, if that's the case, I have two questions for both of you to the extent that you can answer. One, are there any good sweeted versions of horror films? And two, are there any sweeted versions of horror films that are better than the original? This is a very weird question, but it's entirely premised on my memory being accurate and relies on either of you having a lot of exposure to sweeted films if they're real. So I completely understand if this is just unanswerable. Uh, and then finally he says, also I'd like to write in more often but I'm always trailing behind by a few episodes. That being said, thank you, Brandy Joe, for making Jeremy remember High Fidelity a few weeks back. I can't believe my own college roommate, who I watched many films with, could forget one of my top 10 favorite movies when recounting John Cusack films. Keep up <laughs> the awesome work, Kyle Walton. Thanks, Kyle. Kyle is great. I haven't seen Kyle, man. We've, you know, we've kept up corresponding over the years, you know, through social medias and such, but I haven't seen Kyle in forever, but he is a good friend to have. He sounds like a good guy. 
But uh, Sweden Films, I might have to explain that to you. I know if you haven't seen the movie, Be Kind Rewind. I've not, but I did some research and look. Oh, kittens. <laughs> I did a little research and tried to watch some, or I did watch some horror Sweden films. But where does that name come from? It, it literally is from the movie, Be Kind Rewind. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, it's the boys. They have to be separated when they go at it. <laughs> But yeah, no, it comes from, so Be Kind Rewind had, um, it was Jack Black and Most Deaf were the stars. And I apologize because he doesn't go by Most Deaf anymore and his, uh, his name is escaping me at the moment. But uh, they work at a video rental store. Uh, th this movie was made like on the cusp of, you know, Netflix taking over like the early 2010s or whatever, maybe like 2008, 2009. And they work at an old time video rental store and then an accident involving like magnets or something happens that wipes all the tapes in the store. Uh, so to stay in business, they re-record over all of them, trying to reenact all the movies. And then when people ask like, what's going on? They call them, oh, they were produced in Sweden. They're Swedish films. So they start calling them Sweden films. Ah. Uh, and that's, it comes from that movie. Um, and I feel like it was, I don't know if it had the name, but it was already maybe kind of a thing. People just making their own fan films, recreating stuff. But that movie helped like spark a whole internet culture, like based on that. Because I that. remember there being a really like the first one I ever heard about was a uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where they redid like that opening sequence with like, yes. the boulder. Yeah, and that's that's like a phenomenal achievement for just people to do that. Like the footage I've seen, mm -hmm. um, uh, horror films. I don't really know any specifically horror films. I remember years ago there was a project where people did a a Swedish film remake of the original Star Wars where like everyone was assigned like a minute of movie to make and then mm. they cut it all together to recreate the full length movie and that was incredible to watch. That is cool. Yeah, I watched a handful in preparation after reading this question. Some of them were like like Swedish versions of like the trailers which yeah. often are like encompassing everything. So I watched a Nightmare on Elm Street one that was actually pretty funny just with like the gloves and they had like a um, when Tina's getting thrown around the room, they had like a like a, a blow up doll sort of thing that was it was very funny. And like, you know, the gloves were just like butter knives, like duct taped on a, a person's hand. And it was just very clever. And then I watched like a, a really bad shining one that was from some Swede festival mm -hmm. like they have these festivals and it was horrible i watched an okay one for the exorcist and a kind of funny one for silence of the lambs i feel like a little bit goes a long ways on these so the longer like the two minute ones were really good when they did a like a bunch of cuts like a trailer but like when it gets to like the five minute mark i get a little exhausted of it yeah but i also thought this is something we need to do <laughs> yes exactly uh i was just i watched one uh as we were getting ready of uh jaws uh, yeah it was pretty funny with like a puppet and stuff like that was pretty funny i started a jaws one too and the, the funniest part about it was when they did that shot of um what's the lead guy's name in real life uh, uh boy uh, uh, Roy Sh Roy Scheider. Yes. When yeah. they do that shot of him on the beach with like the back, you know, that like focusing on yeah. zooming in on him, that weird zoom thing that's such yeah. so amazing. And they did like a version of that with like moving the background behind the guy. And I was, like, <laughs> it was clever. I was like, that's that's good. 
That's awesome. But yeah, Kyle, it, it, I'm kind of racking my brain here. I'm sure I've seen many over the years. Just nothing's jumping to mind. I do know there is like a feature length because I saw it. Somebody shared it in the Discord for Planet Ant uh, in like the Strange Cinema Saturday stuff. Uh, and there is like a feature length fan-made remake of RoboCop. Somebody oh, did. Interesting. So, yeah. So that's out there, I know. And I'm sure there's plenty more of... Uh, uh, you know, classic genre films and stuff. But as far as horror movies, I don't know. Uh, this is going to require some research. I might have to come back in later episodes and see if well, I... Go to YouTube or Google Horror Swede Films. That will come back and say, are you sure you didn't mean Horror Swedish Films? Yeah, that's what was happening to, to like me. Yep. Readjust your, your Google search. Yep. Um, but I did find a whole slew of them on YouTube. Like I said, they're not great. But I, that's kind of the point. But like, there's just that line of like not great but so good and yeah. also just bad like there's yeah, a really some horrible just, some just one that's but if just they make so me, bad if they make me laugh though then you know mission accomplished because that's yeah. really the point of these so yeah again please write in if you have some send us the links we'd love to look at them and i really i would love to make one so let's yeah. get on that we have I think we, should we do know it. some actors i we could use your wife we could use my husband i think we gotta do it i think we have to yes yeah Maybe we should do some of the ones. <laughs> your cats. Well, you Every, cats. Everyone's a critic. They could be the monsters. Uh, we could probably do some of the movies we've covered. Yeah. Just draw from some of those. That'd be fun. That would be fun. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for writing in. Um, and I have another one from Teacher Drew. Oh, and yes. Teacher Drew says, hey, guys, thanks for the shout out in episode 36. Yes, I did watch Lyle. My opinion, besides teaching film studies, I also teach English. This movie reminds me of a rough draft, a very promising rough draft, mind you, but still a rough draft. That said, I loved the ending as I enjoy seeing characters get what they deserve. I also liked the theme. What principles would you compromise to make a dream come true? Overall, the story needs to be fleshed out a bit, and for heaven's sake, change the title. Till next time, thank you guys, and keep the episodes coming, Teacher Drew and Phoenix. Absolutely, get, teacher yeah, Drew. Yeah. I mean, he seemed to like it a little bit more than we did, but that's okay. He still agree. Like, that title is particularly, like, I mean, I don't know what else I would call it, but it's not a good title. That's no, for sure. That's not a good title, and he's absolutely right. It doesn't feel like a complete movie, like we said. It feels yeah. like a rough draft. That's exactly what that movie feels like. They had an idea, and they just haven't fully formed it yet. Yep. But I need to go back and listen to the full episode of uh, It's Only a Podcast when they talk about it. Because I would just love to hear someone who does absolutely love it, like the the two of them, like Ian and Christian do. Mm -hmm. I want to hear what they have to say about it because they 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 think it's amazing. And um and I don't hate it. I don't think it's a bad film. It just was, it's, you know, just sort of, yeah, a meh. It's a meh sure. film. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I have one more. Yeah. It's from good old Gretchen who writes mm. and says, hi. I couldn't do it. I couldn't finish The Burbs. Stephen Luke, who's her husband and son, watched it with me. It was too slow and not scary. I was completely ambivalent about it. Perhaps it's because it's an 80s movie and you had to have your first viewing of it in the 80s to appreciate it. I also didn't care about any of the characters and could not have rolled my eyes more at the scene where Tom Hanks and his friend are standing at the corner, petrified of going up to the house and knocking on the door. Maybe that's the scary part for me, that two grown men would act like that. 
Tell Jeremy I'm sorry, and I'm thrilled he and so many others get enjoyment out of it. One mm-hmm. more thing. Since Luke also watched it and didn't care for it, that's two non-gay people that don't like it, so scratch that theory. <laughs> All right. Well, we put the theory to bed. There's something else going on here. I think it just I think you might have been on the right track, whereas if you didn't watch this like as a kid or, you know, like when it came out, I feel like there's something to that for some reason, like yeah. catching it at the right developmental stage. Like, yeah. <laughs> you'll like it. And if you missed it, you're just going to be like, what the hell is this movie? That's right. But I appreciate the validation that I'm not alone in this world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it makes me feel it makes me feel better about myself. But thank you for all of the terrorgrams. It is so nice. Um, please feel free to write us. You can send us, you know, if you have our phone numbers, you can text us. You can send us a message on Instagram. Yeah, just get at us. us. Just, just get, get at us. At us. We love reading them. And I love the questions that people pose. That is super duper exciting. I love, love, love it. Yes. So, Jeremy, what have you watched? Can you give me some highlights of some things you've watched since okay. we last spoke? I mentioned Shocker. Uh, got that out of the way. Um, what are some highlights? Uh, real quickly, um, I revisited a couple weeks ago uh, Scarface with Al Pacino. Never seen uh, it. Which I haven't seen it in so long. I forgot that it's like a three hour fucking movie. Jesus. (laughs) It is a gangster epic. I forgot that. Oh, gangster epics. Gross. It does tie into my love of, uh, as I've mentioned before, what I like to call angry young men movies. So Mm -hmm. Clockwork Orange or Joker or Taxi Driver, where it is just the story of an angry young man who just kills his way (laughs) through life pretty much. And you're like, I don't know what it is about those, but it is a movie that I feel needs to be mentioned on a horror podcast because any flick that has a chainsaw dismemberment in the first half hour is worth mentioning. What gets dismembered? Arms, <laughs> leg. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it's a it's a it's a execution method used by uh, some gangsters in the movie. Rough. Death by chainsaw, so rough. But yeah, so watching that again, I was like, holy crap! I forgot a lot of this movie. Um, but I had fun revisiting it. It's you know an overindulgent '80s gangster movie. Um, now, actual horror highlights. Uh, the main ones I can think of is. Uh, and mind you, my wife watched both of these with me. Oh. I revisited The Lost Boys. Okay. Uh, which I still freaking love. You know, it's corny. Watching it again, I'm like, this is a pretty corny movie, but I don't care because I love punk rock vampires. Uh, and Kiefer Sutherland is just one of the most badass vampires that ever committed to film. Uh, he's up there with, you know, Bill Paxton as Severin in Near Dark for me. Like those mm-hmm. are a couple of the coolest mm-hmm. vampires ever. So love it still to this day. Lost Boys rocks. And I checked out Fear Street on Netflix. I watched it last night. I saw that you had rated it. I rated it slightly higher than you, but I thought mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun. Yes, I, I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. When it started, I was like, okay, it's just a bad Scream ripoff because that opening scene is definitely like an homage to Scream. Like it feels yes. very Scream. But I'm like, is that all we're going to do here? Yeah. As soon as that like bus scene happened, I just thought it was filmed so well with like them pouring the stuff out the back. And mm-hmm. it just really, after that, it evolved for me. And I, I really loved the ride. I thought it was fun. And I was like, are we not going to get any good gore? And then we did get some and good gore. And then we did uh, yep. we, that that 90s hits of the 90s soundtrack oh my god really, so much really took me there i loved it there were a few that were 
past 1994. Like, there were a couple. I'm like, I think this is. I was like, that's from like 1999. Like, you know, barely the 90s, a couple of them, but whatever. But yeah, and I I dug the there's a the main characters are lesbians. I loved that. That is definitely not something that you get a whole heck of a lot. And mm-hmm. um yeah, I thought the characters were really great. I'm excited to see the other two. Yeah, me too. I really that's what really sold it for me is like I really cared about the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really liked them. They were actually fleshed out, and I was like, that's what makes a good slasher movie. I also liked since it is a trilogy that it ends and it is a total, I mean, it literally says to be continued. And I appreciate that, that it's not like that. It doesn't wrap up. And the other ones are just like, this story is continuing. It's not just going back and telling the other stories. It's combining them all. And I'm excited to see where it goes, but I rated it four stars. I think I saw on letterboxd you rated it three and a half, three and a half. Uh, that was just like my gut reaction, but like, yeah. who knows? I might revisit it and watch it again and rate it higher. Cause I'm like, Ooh, I'm so excited for the next ones. And I might have to retroactively go back and rewatch that one again. Uh, but yeah, it really, what I loved about it is like, I grew up reading RL Stein, specifically goosebumps uh, a little bit of fear street. I think I read like a couple of them. Um, but uh, this movie felt like the grown up version of the goosebumps movie that came out a few years ago with Jack black in it, where it's like, yeah, they like took the spirit of R.L. Stein's work and did something fun with it. So, are the Fear Street books like this, like dealing with this witch and stuff? Is that all like the storyline? From what I understand and, and can remember, is like each one is like a its own story, uh, but they're all set in the same town where there was a curse from a witch on the town. Okay. That's what causes all the murder and mayhem that happens there. Yeah, I like it when it also when it first started in that first scene. I thought, oh, is this just Again, like a scream thing, like we're going to have to wait to find out who's behind the skull mask. And then you quickly that if you find out who's behind the skull mask, like mm-hmm. in the first like 10 minutes or not what I was expecting. No. And so I was like, oh, OK. And then, yeah, just where it goes. I thought there were some really good. And it also does like so many movies when they do things, you're like, oh, well, I know this is going to come back. Like, I think we've talked about this sort of like spoon feeding sort of thing, like. Mm-hmm. When they set up that the 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 best friends, the girls, live like not far apart from each other, and the girls like, well, look outside, and she flashes her back porch light, mm-hmm. and you see that she's just across the way. Like I thought that's gonna play into something later. It's gonna be like um like Scream Four, where you see her get killed across the way, and it isn't. It's just a fact of setting up who these people are, and I love that that it wasn't like. Yeah, it wasn't a plot point. It wasn't a plot point, and it wasn't like, oh, remember this, because we're going to call back to it later, yeah, that whole yeah. thing where you just know where it's going. Like, it surprised me along the way. Mm. My letterbox review, I said it was Scream meets The Faculty yeah. meets um, The Ring, because it has yes. that sort of feeling of that curse and everything, and The Faculty in regards to, like, the drugs and, and the, the things like that, and yeah. the teens. Yeah, absolutely. That's 100%. Yeah, but I dug it. I'm glad you liked it too. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really the high. That's really the highlights. I've been watch. I watch it. I I've been diving into some bad B movies here or there. So, uh, but that's the good stuff. Well, cool. And so, because I was gone, um, and Jeremy and I are meeting just once this week as opposed to twice. We're doing a a little a tiny terror this week, and we're gonna do one next week as well. Because Jeremy, you're going on vacation. Yep, I'll be on vacation next week. So we're hitting you with two tiny terrors in a row. 
Yeah, and I mean, with as much many letters as we got and as much talking as we do, it probably won't be incredibly tiny. So, no. <laughs> but we're just do, really doing one movie instead of two and sort of pre-watching them. So we're not going to have some of the features we normally do. But yeah, so. Jeremy, what are we doing this week? This week, we are talking about Psycho Goreman. Uh, or I guess the title of the movie is technically PG Psycho Goreman. Okay, and I I assigned this one because I I it's something that I had been wanting to watch and it seemed up your alley, so it was one of those ones where neither one of us had seen it, so that's how we ten- generally tend to do our tiny terrors. Um, and so I'll read the letterbox summary. The cool. tagline is "Little girl, big psycho." Siblings Mimi and Luke unwittingly resurrect an ancient alien overlord. Using a magical amulet, they force the monster to obey their childish whims and accidentally attract a rogues gallery of intergalactic assassins to small town suburbia. There you go. So Jeremy, what did you think of this? Well, first off, a confession. I had actually tried to start watching this like a while back uh, before we assigned it, but I fell the fuck asleep. So I like (laughs) remembered like it was like late at night and I like started it and just like was not paying attention and then eventually passed out. Um, so like there was like rewatching it actually all the way through. There was a couple scenes where I'm like, Oh yeah, I remember that from <laughs> like what I saw it for a few seconds. Um, but so watching it all the way through totally different experience. Um, I had a lot of fun with this. This was totally up my alley. Like hundred percent. I was like a hundred percent rubber monsters fighting science fiction shit left and right. Uh, just humor coming, you know, there's so many like one-liners and stuff. I was trying to keep up with some of the dialogue that I found just like the dad was my favorite character and he was just cracking me up. So did you hear in the very first scene with the little kids, I think what the boy calls his sister. No, he said he called her a little maniac. Oh, <laughs> I missed that. I didn't I even was catch like, that. Oh my God, little maniacs. Yeah, that's awesome. It was so I thought that was cool. That little girl. And I know she's supposed to be annoying, but god damn she was annoying <laughs> yeah Ugh. and i thought for sure like there's a scene where she like is very sacrilegious essentially she's like fuck you god <laughs> yeah like breaks across i thought for sure that scene was there because she was gonna get killed uh-huh. and therefore no. they had to really let us hate her uh-huh. and the only way to do that is to have her like denounce god and jesus <laughs> yeah <laughs> but man she was horrible uh-huh horrible so what were your overall opinion how were you i thought it was fine i yeah. i you know i didn't i didn't absolutely hate it i i know it's r and like the gore like there's a lot of blood but i wanted it to go even further than it did like if you're gonna make it r rated, yeah. like like really go there if like, you're gonna call it gore man yeah let it yeah. be even gorier yeah, and, like let the kids say fuck, and you know, as opposed to this fracking song or whatever they said, hecking. What is it? They were saying hecking. I'm the hecking best, and then oh, fri- I thought and it then was frig off, frig off. That's yep. what it was. Frig yep. off. The mom is definitely like a poor man's mayor in Ireland. I thought. Yeah. Like, at first, yeah. I thought it was her, and then I was like, oh, and then it's like, no, she doesn't have any. Credits. Sure, it, and I never got into Power Rangers, but it felt very Power Ranger. It's so based off of that. I actually it, doing research for talking about this. I listened to the uh, podcast Nightmare on Film Street. 
Oh yeah, I've heard of it. Such a great podcast title. Yeah, and I've I'm not I haven't listened to a lot of the show, but I've heard a few episodes, and they're very very good podcast. But they had uh, Steve Katansky on the director of this movie, uh, talking about it like in depth. And uh, Nightmare on uh, uh, Film Street is a uh, Canadian podcast, and he's a Canadian filmmaker, and this is a Canadian movie. Uh, So they were, you know. getting all Canadian on me. So I was trying to keep up, but uh, funny enough, he said the inspiration for this movie was he watched Rawhead Rex. Oh. Uh, and he, he thought how much he likes the whole simple rubber suited monster on a rampage for like from the eighties, uh, you mm-hmm. know, that era of that kind of movie. Uh, and he thought to himself, but what's the most like jarring thing I can marry it to? Oh, the eighties children's adventure movie and mix them together. And then he mentioned there was a heavy influence from like the Japanese uh, costumed, you know, like Power Rangers and movies with guys in costumes fighting each other, so. So do you think it was a conscious choice to have their mouths not like fit the dialogue? Or do you think that was a limitation on the costumes? Because like all of them, you know, like when they talked, it didn't look like what they were saying. Yeah, I'm pretty, I I get the feeling from listening to that podcast, it was, uh, part of it was they were just trying to make the coolest costumes they could, uh, and whatever, if it didn't work right, they were leaning into that as a stylistic choice. Because he does mention, he's like, a lot of those movies and those shows, like, who cares if the mask's mouth doesn't even move, like, Mm -hmm. it's talking, but the lips don't even move, it just looks cool. So that was kind of, it sounded like that was a stylistic choice for this movie to call back to those older movies. Did you watch Power Rangers? Were you a Power Ranger? Oh, God, yes. Yeah? Oh, oh, God, yeah. Too young. Like all I knew was that Amy Jo Johnson, who was on Felicity, was the Pink Power Ranger. That's yeah. the only thing I know about them. And that there's a couple of murders that have happened with people who played Power Rangers. Yeah, and sure. Some crazy shit like that that I heard on like my favorite murder. But I remember the hysteria. Yeah, no, I was like 10 years old when it happened. So oh yeah, I was so like, okay. That was like yes, monsters and fighting, cool. So I was all about it. So I said I seem to enjoy like saying movies are this versus this versus this. So here I thought this was Wishmaster meets Power Rangers meets Stranger Things. Like that was even though I've never seen Wishmaster, I know what it is. Yeah, and that's what this felt like. But that's, as soon as you say Rawhead Rex, I totally see that. Yes, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, holy crap! Yes, Rawhead Rex meets uh, the movie. I it reminded me the most of, I think I may have mentioned it before in the past is uh, a flick called the Giver. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Which is a, um, it was an American made movie, new line cinema, I think did it. Uh, but they bought the rights to, it was a Japanese anime, uh, that mm. then they, they then turned into a live action. They were trying to do like a dark Ninja turtles type thing where the Giver is like a robot alien suited superhero fighting alien monsters, but they were all just guys in rubber suits punching each other. Uh, And that's like, that's totally what this movie reminded me of was the Giver. Yeah, I, it was fine. You know, like I I thought it was fine. I I was pretty sure you were going to really enjoy it because it does just seem like something up your alley. And I think I would have enjoyed it a little more again, if they would have just leaned into the horror element a little bit more. Yeah, there, I can understand There was that. some some nice gory effects and like I loved the practical effects and they mm-hmm. did some cool things with like claymation stop motion when they dealt with like Gygax sometimes. There was some yeah. like some of those flashbacks. There were some really cool elements. Like I could see what they were doing. I just yeah, I just wanted to lean into just a little bit more. 
And PG himself was just a great character. Like I, I'm watching that movie. I'm like, he is a whole mood is how yes. I feel like all the times where he's like, it'd be better if you were dead when he's like talking to the kids. And I'm like, I feel that guy all I the feel, time. I feel like there's going to be a sequel and I feel like it's going to be better. Like, I, I don't yeah. know. I just, I feel like this is prime for a sequel. And- Larger budget sequel. Yep, and please yep. no Mimi. Like I don't want her there. Like like I said, I know she's supposed to be annoying, but like some of the best mean girls have like that element where you yeah. also like them. Like Regina George or Heather Chandler. Like there there's just something about them that you also kind of root for. And I just wanted to I want her to fucking die. <laughs> yeah. I uh I didn't hate her that much. Uh I okay. with her. Um <laughs> Uh, I, I definitely related to Luke, the brother. I was definitely a Luke kid. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, one of my, I think one of my favorite moments, though, is uh, when they're like, when the kids are going to bed in the very beginning and Luke's like, Dad, are monsters real? And he's like, well, since humans are the real monsters, when you think about it, yes. <laughs> like, there really were some good one-liners. Lots like of them are around those those games when they're like, I have no idea what's going on to you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> or or when, when she's like, if the monsters come, uh, just make sure they kill Luke first. And the dad's like, harsh, <laughs> but fair. <laughs> and like when the, the kids are knocking in the beginning and the mom like knocks back. Like, I loved that. Mm-hmm. Or when uh, she gives the magazines to PG and, and he's like, I do not care about hunky boys. But then what was at the end when or like, do he was I? like, and then he's staring at it. Yeah. And then I was confused. Like, does that, are we supposed to think that he's gay? Cause at the end he's like, not my hunky boys. And I, yeah. had, I was like, I'm so confused on what's going on here. I, I took it as yes. He is. Uh, okay. He's into hunky boys. I think that's, I think that's go it. PG. Get that's, it. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's some funny one-liners, some cool rubber monsters. You know, like after I've watched, because I watched this like a while ago. It's been a minute since we recorded. Uh, so like I watched it as soon as we decided on this one. So I'm trying to think back like a couple weeks here. But as it sat to like, I think I would have rated this. Had we recorded immediately after, I would have been more excited about this movie. But now I've let it marinate for a minute. And I'm like, eh, I don't know if I'm going to rewatch this a million times or anything. But it was a good, like fun time. Out of how many hunky boys, hunky boys how, <laughs> out of five, how many do you, how many hunky boys do you rate this? I am going to give it a solid three and a half. Okay. I'm going to give it a solid two and a half. Split scream. Ooh, split scream. Yes, it is. Because uh, yeah, it was fine. But I, I was pretty sure you were going to err on the side of it being, um, slightly higher but i almost went with a four but uh as i've sat with it i'm like you know it it's it's i don't know how amazing it is you know what i mean like this is like a good bad movie to me mm-hmm. so uh that's that's how i see it so bad it's good that's yeah i will definitely it. watch a sequel i'm excited to see what happens with it and you know appreciate it for being something a little different and i sure i was worried i was going to absolutely hate it and i did not so yeah so yeah i did I did see a t-shirt uh, online too. That's just a picture of PG and it says hunky boys. So uh, that is out there guys. If you, okay. uh, if you're really about this movie, uh, it made me laugh. So, and as always, please write in, tell us what you thought. If you agreed, disagreed, f- had some totally different revelations in regards to it. Scaring is sharing at gmail.com. You little maniacs. 
Tell us what you <laughs> And we'll be back next week with another Tiny Terror. And um, we always appreciate you you coming back and checking us out. So thank you for being there. Thank you for being a, a fiend. Thank a you fiend. for being a fiend. Thank you for being a fiend. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. The golden ghouls. The golden ghouls. <laughs> that's Oh, man, that's another moniker for us. Your, yes. your golden ghouls. <laughs> love it. Love it, love it. Absolutely. All right. Well, till next time, guys. Uh, Remember, death to Videodrome. Long live the new flesh. Hell, Paymon. See you later. Bye. Scanning is sharing. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.